I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show, and my guest today is Mark Bullock. Mark, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, thanks. How are you? Very good. So you're over in the UK. I'm curious whereabouts over there uh, you're at. Uh, near a town called uh, Bath, um, which uh, is a couple hours outside London. So, um, yeah, not in the not in the big cities, in a kind of a rural area. Okay. Uh, so, uh, how long have you been a fan of the Washington Football Team? Uh, so it started when I was younger. Um, we moved out to the states when I was. Um, five years old um or just turning five and, and we moved back when i was 10 and we and we lived in the kind of dc area so um i kind of grew up with um some american sports and when i kind of got back into um the nfl when i was maybe 16 17 18 um i kind of naturally just fell back into the the washington football team and, and the Washington teams in general with American sports. Um, so that was uh, 10, 15 years ago now. So um, yeah, for, uh, for a while at least. And you've been, and you've been breaking down the film now for how long? Yeah, uh, probably 10 or so years. Um, it was the, the first few years I was just kind of a normal fan. And then I started doing stuff on Hogshaven for, um a couple of years and then the post picked me up and then the athletic picked me up from there um so uh probably i think about 10 years i'm not 100 percent sure exactly when but probably about 10 years and you've done scouting academies or coaching clinics joe where this is where you've just kind of done your own research and, and yeah and just kind of the game just kind of done my own thing really um I, i've been kind of um I got really into the whole, I've always been a big fan of sports and rather than a traditional kind of fan of just being a fan of a team and getting happy when they win and mad when they lose, I, I kind of um, looked at things more analytically and, and thought, why did that happen? Why was that a good play? Why was that a bad play? And the NFL kind of lends itself to that because it's all broken down into an individual play. Um, so um that kind of fascinated me and so I, I and when I was younger I had a lot of time on my hands so I would just kind of watch a playback and and say okay so why did this guy go here and why did he do this and and why was this good as opposed to this being bad and um read a lot of uh good writers that I, I respect and and follow on, on Twitter and what have you and you pick up the odd thing here and there and and um yeah, kind of built up my own, I guess, knowledge of the game from that. Uh, it's been incredible, and you're one of my favorite followers on Twitter, and you have a great way of breaking it down, so I'm excited to have you on today. Uh, we'll get to some defensive philosophy-type stuff at the end, but I thought while you're here, let's just start at the top and kind of work our way through the roster and tell me what you think. Sure. We'll start with the quarterbacks, as we always do. Uh, they obviously – wanted to upgrade the position because they tried several times to do it, including swinging big for Stafford. Uh, so it would appear that Ryan Fitzpatrick's job to lose, where do you kind of see the quarterback room and, 
And why do you think they thought it was so important to upgrade the position? Yeah, I, I think um, I think I agree with that. It is Fitzpatrick's job to lose. Um, I think when you have um, guys like Heineke and Allen, as good as Heineke played in that uh, playoff game against the Bucks, it, it was just one game, and the history of his career tells you that you can't rely on him medically um, because he's yet to complete a full game without getting seriously hurt. So um, that to me says, even if you think he's a really good player, like if he's not going to be available, you can't rely on him as your quarterback um, for 16 or 17 games, I guess now. Um, Kyle Allen, he was okay. Um, he, he feels to me like, kind of the career backup type, um, a, a very good Colt McCoy type, um, and someone that when you need him in a spot moment, um, your main quarterback goes down and he comes in in the middle of the third quarter, he can win you the game, provide a spark, or on, on a week's preparation, he might be able to win you a game or, or certainly not lose it for you. Um, but he's not someone that I feel like would be a successful quarterback over a prolonged period of time. Um, or certainly the best I feel like he could get to is he's not going to lose you the game. And if you're the rest of your roster is good enough, then you can be a decent, just above 500 team. Um, so I, I think when you have those two guys on, on your roster as a quarterback, you have to be looking at upgrades. And as you said, they took the big swing at Stafford. That didn't pay off. Um, I, I did like that they didn't force it um, for for a guy that they weren't 100% in on. I, I think with a quarterback, you have to, unless it's a free agent and you can do a contract where you're only losing out for one year. And, and if it doesn't work out, then you can cut it and move on the set the next year or um, you can get out of it relatively early on. You're not wasting so many years. Um, when you're looking at rookies that you draft and you, you spend a first-round pick or maybe you have to trade up into the top 10 and trade away multiple first-round picks, then you're investing a huge amount in this guy. And if you don't absolutely love that guy, then that big investment's unlikely to pay off. Um, and, and then you're setting your franchise back significantly. So um, I did like that they didn't force it, but certainly they they, they needed to upgrade. And I, I think they did with, with Fitzpatrick. I, I think he was kind of the right fit in terms of needing to upgrade, um, getting a, a reliable veteran um, and giving them someone that they can say, okay, this is what we're doing for this year. He's our placeholder. He's fine. He, he can win us a few games if he plays well. Um, but next year, we'll really address the position. And, and names like Stafford and Fitzpatrick make you feel like they want and expect to be more aggressive. Uh, do, yeah. you think that, do you think that is something that they are hoping to be? Yeah, certainly. Um, Fitzpatrick is known for being an aggressive quarterback and, and, and Stafford likes to air it out and, and, and take his shots. Um, and, and, you know, the, the offense is technically called the air coil offense. So it is about airing it out and attacking down the field and, and, and working vertically. And they weren't able to do that last year. And part of that was, you know, they only really had Terry McLaurin that could challenge vertically. Um, and, and part of that was 
the offensive line earlier in the year, they, they struggled to protect for long enough. And of course, part of it was the, the quarterback play that they had. And, and, um, and so uh, the guys that they targeted certainly were guys that could attack down the field more. As you said, Stafford definitely likes to attack down the field. Fitzpatrick is known for probably being too aggressive. Um, but certainly it's not going to be the, the dull two-yard check down to the running back every other play. No, I wouldn't imagine. That's, <laughs> uh, you brought it up. Let's switch to the offensive line. They brought in uh, Leto, Leno, excuse me. Uh, apparently, at least he feels that it's his job to lose on the left side. They drafted a right tackle. Uh, do you think they'll move Lucas to right tackle or the rookie's job to lose over right on the right side? And, and do you think the line has gotten better this year? I think overall it has. Um, I, I think the loss of Morgan Moses is significant, but over the long term, they were probably looking at moving on from him next year anyway. Um, so um, Cosme is a replacement for him, and, and Lucas played well enough last year that he could be thrown into that mix. Um, I don't think it's definitely Cosme's job um, because – he played left tackle in the last few years in college, although he did play right tackle at times as well, but um, he was a left tackle his last year at college. So there's always a bit of a transition period to getting your body used to doing the opposite type of movement. Um, and so yeah, he has some technical things he has to work on as well. Um, Cosme, he, he's a supreme athlete. And a, a, if he can work out his technical kinks, then he can become a very, very good player. But um he does have some technical issues that he does need to work on. So um, I don't think it's guaranteed nailed on that it's his job, but I, I would certainly think he could push Lucas pretty strong. I, I think that would be one of the better battles in training camp if they can, um, if we get more info on that one and, and get to see a bit of that one, I, I think that would be one of the better training camp battles. Um, but yeah, overall, I think um, it, it has become a pretty good unit. I, I think they kind of, stumbled about in the middle of last year, certainly with the interior guys, with Sheriff getting injured and Swites coming in for Wes Martin and then Swites are coming in on the right side and then the left side. And they had a bit of a mix around with that. But at the end of the year, the, down the stretch when they were winning games, um, Swites are at left guard, really at centre, and Sheriff at right guard was a very good interior combination. Um, and, and they kind of stuck to what those guys do well. And, and they played, they mostly ran zone scheme stuff. Um, and those three are, are pretty athletic. Um, certainly Schweitzer and Sheriff are. Um, and they generated a ton of movement um, and, and that created some pretty big rushing lanes. So, um, and then they, they did a pretty good job passing off stunts and stuff in the passing game. So those three, I think would be what I would anticipate to be the starting three going into training camp. Obviously they added, Eric Flowers um, to be an option at left guard and they've got Sadiq Charles as well and then some other guys um, so they've got more depth than they've ever really had before in the last certainly the last 5-10 years so um, that is only a good thing on the offensive line so I, I think overall they have improved yeah I agree with you it's, it's interesting because it feels like the fan base isn't real high on Schweitzer but he had a good year last year he did uh, yeah, probably he, he underappreciated. He he certainly did. Um, he he uh, the, the thing was, I was totally wrong with him when I when I watched him when they signed him as a free agent. I thought uh, you could see that he was basically a, a zone blocking guard. Um, he, he doesn't pack too much of a punch. Um, 
uh, well, I say that he would bulldoze me over if he ever came up against me. But um, in terms of an off an NFL offensive lineman, he's not a, a bulldozer, but he's athletic and he can create movement. And when that combines with a guy like Sheriff, who's also athletic, and Rudy is relatively athletic, um, if you get the defensive line moving, the whole point of the zone scheme is you get those. Um, defensive linemen and the linebackers to move horizontally and then that creates the vertical cutback things um, for the back so if they were able to generate some movement down the stretch and and those three were very good and and Schweitzer was just as good as as Rudier or I don't want to say he was just as good as Sheriff um, because Sheriff can do some pretty special things on his own but he was very good in his own right Um, and I think people see the trade for Eric Flowers as going well that's our starting left guard but I would be surprised given the success that they had down the stretch last year. Um, and especially with the zone scheme, I'd be surprised if they went away from that because flowers isn't really a zone lineman. So um, I, I would think they would stick to that unless flowers completely outplays him in training camp. Yeah. At 8, at 8 million, it felt like a no brainer. They could sign him to play left guard, but at 2 million or whatever it is, the actual number is. I, I yeah. would that, that feels more like a depth challenge type deal sure uh well let's you toss it up there we'll segue to running backs you just did a article an article about gibson uh if you extrapolate the numbers out from last year before he got hurt i mean he was on his way to 1500 total yards and touchdowns he was excellent what do you think they expect out of him in year two yeah i, I think he should have a bit of an expanded role i, I feel like from watching him back um for that article um he was they kind of limited him early in the year, the first game or two that they, they, they tried to do a few different packages where him and McKissick moved around and, and they didn't have one as the set running back and one as the kind of slot receiver almost. Um, they were kind of moving back and forth between those two guys. Um, but after one or two weeks, they, they kind of set into saying, right, Gibson is our, our running back. McKissick's the move guy. Um, and McKissick comes in on third down and does pass protection stuff. And, and I think, the idea behind that was because Gibson had 33 carries in college and there are some very detailed intricacies of, of playing the running back position and knowing, not just understanding that I'm running his own scheme. So I need to run here, read this player and make my cut based on that. It's knowing the finer things of, well, I know that I'm going to cut this run back, but if I press this run to that side, I'm going to get the linebackers to commit over the top and that's going to create a big cutback lane for me. Um, and that stuff in early in the season that you could see that Gibson didn't really have an understanding of that. He, he was often making the correct reads, but he was cutting too early. He wasn't giving his linemen a chance to secure their blocks and he wasn't forcing linebackers to commit one way. Um, and that kind of left, yards on the field because of that so as the year progressed you could see him kind of understanding and catching up with oh okay i can i can take a few extra steps here i i can i can press the hole i can get the guys to commit and create more yards for myself when i cut back and by the end of the year he was doing that very very well um so i would imagine assuming that progression is somewhat linear and, and he carries on on that path um, they can start opening up the offense for him a little bit and, and they can make use of that talent because he was a receiver in college. So they can make use of some of that um, and, and start moving him around, not too dissimilarly to how 
um, Turner used Christian McCaffrey by and moving him around and, and putting him outside and, and motioning Curtis Samuel into the backfield and that kind of thing. So um, I think he will have an expanded role. And if he continues with the, with the development trend that he's on, I, I think he could become a, a pretty significant feature part of this offense. Which to both Stevie from Twitter uh, brought that up with the two running back sets. It's interesting when I looked into this, 80 receptions from McKissick yeah. last season. I mean, it's incredible. So I'm assuming, to your point there, they'll be trying to run a lot more of that two running back set going forward. Yeah, uh, well, they, they did use it a fair amount last year. Um, McKissick was almost treated as a slot receiver, um, but he was also the, the third down back um, because uh, I would guess they didn't really want Gibson to have to worry about learning about protections, um, which is a big part of of playing third down and passing downs as a running back. You have to be able to see blitzes and, and pick those guys up um, rather than just running out working out into the, into the flat or working whatever route you're running. Um, so McKissick was a big part of that. And, and a lot of his catches came on those um, little check downs and what have you underneath um, when he wasn't protecting. Um, but he also moved around and, and they treated him all, almost like a slot receiver, but, you had the benefit of defenses knowing that, hey, this guy is a running back um, and there is technically two running backs on the field. So how do we match up to this? Do we do we match up with our base defense? But then if McKissick goes into the slot, we've got a, a running back on a linebacker or, or uh, almost a slot receiver on a linebacker, um, which obviously you don't want defensively. Um, or do we say, okay, this is a slot receiver. We'll put a slot corner on the field instead of an extra linebacker. Um, but then potentially you can use Gibson and McKissick both as a threat in the run game and you have the slot corner having to fill in the run game. So um, it, it does put a lot of stress, stress on defenses and the added threat of, of Samuel will add to that. Um, so certainly I, I think they will look to include that a little bit more um, and more so with, with Gibson being able to be versatile and move around than he did last year because he he didn't do much of it beyond the first few weeks he he kind of stuck to the to the backfield and, and was just a, a running back um so uh this year i'm certainly looking for him to do that more and if they only keep three backs on the roster you assume barber is that third man again I would guess so. Um, and they obviously seem to like him um and for the role that he played, you know, that short yardage back, he was pretty good at it. Um, even if he did only average two or three yards a carry, whatever it was, it, it was, you know, if, if he's coming in on fourth and one or third and one, then that's fine. Um, and, and he picked up a fair few conversions. So, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a role that is, you could debate whether it's worth an entire roster spot for that role. Um, I would personally say I would think Gibson could probably develop into taking that role over as well. But um, And if that's the case, then maybe you look at Lamar Miller, maybe because he's a little bit more of a complete back. Um, or if uh, Jared Patterson, the, the undrafted guy, um, if he suddenly shows up and turns out to be Darren Sproles, like they've compared him to, um, then maybe he makes the, makes the team. I, I'd be surprised if he did. Um, but yeah, I, I would think Barber probably would, um, certainly going into camp, Barber would be the favorite. WFT, um, news sent me 
The offense used jet motion fifth most in the NFL last year. I was surprised by that because a lot of fans kind of are still on the fence about the offensive coordinator. Uh, now I've had a chance to talk to national guys. They're higher, I think, on what Scott can do. I'm curious your thoughts on the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think I think it's a big year for him. Um, he 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 took a while to settle in. I think last year, um, at the start of last year, it felt like they had a lot of different packages that I liked in theory. The the, the theory behind them was good, um, but it felt like he was kind of learning. Okay, who can do this role? Who can do that role? Does this guy do this well? Um, and what can I, how can I get the ball to Terry McLaurin? How can I get Gibson involved? How can I, you know, find, make use of these different playmakers and, and which guys he can trust and which guys he can't. And so it felt like there was kind of a mix of different packages every week and the packages themselves were fine, but they didn't particularly mesh well together. Um, and, and the best offenses in the league um, will mesh the run and the pass game very well um, and, and make it harder for defenses to know exactly what's coming um, and, and make things look the same or disguise things, disguise the same concepts differently so that the defense doesn't know what's coming. And you could certainly see as the season progressed that Turner was starting to get more comfortable with the guys that he had and the roles that they could play and how he could rather than just have a bunch of different packages kind of go, okay, well, this package works with this package. So we'll kind of start to merge that together and this one and this one work together. So we'll merge that together, but this package was a good one, but it didn't quite work out. So we'll throw that aside for now. Um, so I, I, I certainly think the theory behind a lot of what he does is good. Um, and we saw it towards the end of the year, he was starting to get that to work together better. Um, certainly I, this year, he, I, I can't imagine he'd have many excuses unless the quarterbacks completely screw up. Um, right. Because it's with, got other than maybe Kansas City, it might be the fastest offense in the league now. Yeah, they, they certainly they certainly added speed. Um, and, and so there's certainly a lot they can do. Um, and I, I think he should be pretty good this year. Um, I, I would imagine he will have a lot of fun with all the different formations um, and motions and shifts that he does like to use in his offense. Um, I would imagine he'd have a lot of fun moving guys around and and getting them into uh, favorable spots um, where where they're matched up well. um, And that should, in theory, benefit whatever quarterback is playing. Um, We'll see whether the the quarterback is able to take advantage of that. But um, in theory, it's... um, it's an offense that I think should come together pretty well this year. It also feels like this will be uh, one of the bigger camp battles as well. They're, if, if there are spots, let's say, for Harmon, AGG, and Humphreys, if they keep six, which of those three do you think starts with the leg up in camp? Uh, I would think Humphreys probably over the other two. Um it is a, definitely a very interesting one because you figure McLaurin, Samuel, and Deami Brown are nailed on. Um, and then Cam Sims had a good enough season last year where he should be the, the fourth guy. Um, and then after that, there's, a, there's, there's still plenty of talented guys. Um, 
I know Stephen Sims is hated by the fan base because of the drop punts and the drop catches last year. I still think he's really talented. Um, I haven't given up on him, but I, I know I'm fighting a losing battle there, and I, and I know he's probably on the outside looking in. Um, but I would think Adam Humphreys, he was signed for a specific role. He, he was signed to be specifically a slot receiver um, that has already some chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick um, to be, I guess, a, an elder voice in that receiving room um, and um, a, a reliable set of hands that understands how to attack leverage and, you know, get himself open um, as, as a slot receiver and make himself available for the quarterback on in kind of key situations on, on third and short and third and five and, and what have you and move the chain. So I would think Humphreys certainly has the leg up over, over Harmon and, and AGG uh, in my mind, at least. I've been long on the record. I, I will be stunned if Humphreys is on that final 53 man roster. I understand yeah. what you're getting at, but for, for that's all he does. Is the slot, you know, sure. special teams action. Uh, I, I can't really I, line up outside, and, and the coaching staff is kind of, you know, beating us to death with the idea that they prefer guys that can do multiple things. Sure, I I don't disagree with that, and like when you look at all the versatility of all the other guys, absolutely. But at a certain point, like you can move Curtis Samuel around and play him anywhere. Terry McLaurin, you can probably move around, and play him anywhere. Um, Diami Brown, probably more of an outside guy right now. Um, Cam Sims is definitely an outside guy. Harmon has only ever played outside. He could possibly be a big slot, but he's probably more of an outside guy. Um, Steven Sims, I think, is a slot, but again, we're kind of assuming he's probably not making this team. Um, so right now you're looking at Curtis Samuel is probably the best slot receiver they have. Terry McLaurin could certainly play there, but you'd rather McLaurin playing the X. Um, so, and, and Curtis Samuel can play the Z. So if it depends how good Diami Brown is, if Diami Brown's as good as he could be, um, then yeah, certainly you could say we'll roll with Brown and McLaurin outside and Samuel's in the slot. Um, but behind them, I would say Sims is your only is your outside guy, and, and Humphreys would be the only other guy I would want in the slot. Um, well, obviously you'd want if you could have Terry McLaurin everywhere, you'd put Terry McLaurin everywhere. But um, you want him at the X, so you you'd want a backup slot receiver. And for me, that would be Humphreys. If if Brown isn't quite on the development path that you want him to be on, or whatever, um, then Curtis Samuel can play the Z, and Humphreys plays the slot, and that. I certainly see what you're saying because I did have the thought that once they drafted Diami Brown and if he becomes what he can be, then there isn't really a need for Humphreys, but the depth of having Humphreys being the reliable receiver that he can be and the relationship he already has with Fitzpatrick, I, I would think for me, he'd be the fifth guy. And we'll wrap the offense with the tight ends. If we assume that they keep three, yep, which seems reasonable, uh, then who's the odd man out there? So obviously Logan Thomas is one, and you would think Bates is two as the rookie. Um, I don't think Samus Reyes is going to be ready. Um, I, I think that's too much of an ask for a guy to go from not knowing football to playing football within six months or whatever it is. Um, so 
as athletic as he is, I think he's going to be a guy that they'll try to stash away on a practice squad or whatever. Um, and that's the interesting thing, right? Because didn't they give him like a little guaranteed chunk of change? Um, sure, they, they might well have done. Um, and I, so putting him on the practice squad to be lost seems interesting, but I'm with you. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that they that you can. You know, I don't think to a guy either that is not ready to play. Exactly. It, it all depends on how quickly he can develop. Um, and, and preseason will be huge for him because that's when you'll really see, like, not just can this guy run routes, can he take hits and still hold on to the ball? It, it'll be can he block? Can he, you know, understand where to line up and the technique and, and the snap count and um, how to work a double team onto with a right tackle or the left tackle and, and uh, work up to a linebacker or does he know how to do the, the SIF block where he fakes the block and goes out to the flat and all this kind of stuff. Like it's a lot of stuff to pick up when you have, I'm assuming he has been told, no idea. I've often been told it's the hardest position to yeah, learn. Because you're not just learning to, you're not just learning one part of the game. You're not just learning like a running back learning to, run the paths and the running offense and you're not just a receiver learning what routes you have to run you're learning both you have to learn okay this is the routes that i have to run and, and these are this is how i have to block so um you're not just learning one thing you're learning everything about the game at the same time uh, and <laughs> under the assumption that he knew nothing about football like maybe he did know some football beforehand but under the assumption that he knew nothing that is a lot of stuff for him to pick up and and be ready to play in an NFL game and, and actually contribute. Um, so I don't see how they can put it on the roster. All right, let's switch to the defensive side. I think we can move past the D line. We kind of know how that's set up. The I'm interested with the with the linebacking core. They didn't really do anything. I mean, the first they did something. They drafted a linebacker <laughs> in the first round. I, that's sure. how, I will give you that is doing something. But as far as free agency goes, I mean, they lost Kevin Pierre-Louis and really have not done anything to add to it. Uh, Makes me feel they're not really all that concerned about putting three linebackers on the field very much. Do you see it that way, or they just like what they have in-house? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, uh, Certainly, you're in sub-packages more often than you're in the base front with three linebackers um, in the modern NFL. Um, and, and last year they even had a base package where they had five D line and two linebackers. So like they can work around it if they are a little bit light on linebackers. And, and, you know, we saw kind of at the end of last year, they were able to sign a linebacker off the street and kind of get them ready to play. Um, they, they did that a couple of times. Um, so in terms of depth guys, I, I'm not too worried. Um, I, I think, Obviously, D- Jamie Davis is going to play a big role. I think they seem to be very high on Cole Holcomb. Um, and John Bostick is a guy that I think fans tend to underrate. Um, I'm not saying he's a Pro Bowl linebacker. I, I think he's just a-, a solid replacement level, but solid linebacker. Um, and in an ideal world, you can replace him with a Jamie Davis and, and sh- you're good. But with the depth they have, he can be a bridge to letting Davis take over from running the defense in, in 2022. So um, Bostick's fine to me um, and Holcomb and Davis either side of him, I think um, gives you a, a relatively solid group 
Um, certainly a lot more athletic than the, what we're used to um, with, with Davis and Holcomb in particular. Um, I, I think the interesting part will be who stays on the field when the sub packages come on, because typically it's one of the linebackers. And last year, for the start of the year, it was Holcomb that would come off the field and it would be Bostic, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and then the slot corner, or if they went big nickel, it would be Cam Crow. Um, then towards the end of the year, Pierre-Lewis came off more and it was Holcomb that stayed on more, but it was still Bostic. Um, I just wonder if Davis is ready or if Holcomb could even take over some of the um, calling duties of the defence, whether they would then go with Holcomb and Davis or whether that would be too young and inexperienced of guys to play at linebacker. Um when you're in a nickel package. Um, so that's the interesting part for me. They brought in William Jackson. By all accounts, he is an upgrade and should allow them to switch between man and zone a little more seamlessly. At least that's what uh, Ron said when they looked at the tape, that they thought he did that better than maybe his previous coaching staff thought. I'm curious also how quickly do you think they think they can get St. Juice ready to play outside which really, if that allows them to get Kendall Fuller inside, really gives you something special there if, if the rookie can play. And, and I know they're really high on him, and, and he really impressed a lot of uh, folks that worked the senior bowl. Yeah, it would be interesting to see, because I personally wasn't too high on St. Juiced. Um, I, I saw him as a guy that you have to play man coverage, um, because he was drafted because of the size and particularly the length that he has and being able to be up at the line of scrimmage, pressing a, a receiver, getting his hands on them um, and, and forcing them off their path. And then having the, the athletic ability to turn and run and, and recover if a guy gets by it. Um, for me, when he played zone coverages, I saw him a lot being kind of, in between routes and, and and not committing one way or the other, but ending up not end up really covering anyone. Um, teams would attack him a lot with um, corner flat or uh, what's often known as smash combinations where you have a receiver in the flat um, and you have a corner route behind him and the zone cover corner on that side has to either is the read for a quarterback. And if he sinks back to take the corner out, the quarterback throws the flat route. And if the corner jumps up to take the, the flat route, then the quarterback throws it over his head to the deeper corner route. So, um, and I saw him quite often getting caught in between those and not really knowing, do I commit to this way or do I commit that way? And then end up not covering either route, um, which is kind of the worst case scenario. So for me, I, I saw him as a man coverage corner um, and then William Jackson, I kind of seen the same way, although he, is a lot more comfortable in zones from when I watched um, him in comparison to St. Juice. And I think William Jackson can do everything, but um, I feel like when you sign a guy to that kind of contract, you're kind of wasting his talents if you're not playing him in, in press coverage um, and, and man coverage because he has that ability. So if they feel like St. Juice can be a contributor year one, then as you say, that that allows them to do some fun things with Kendall Fuller and, you know, put him in the slot or, or maybe have him as a potential bracket safety um, was an idea I floated a while ago um, that could be quite fun. Um, 
and, and that makes it a pretty strong group and then that allows them to play more man coverage um which if if you can play man coverage and you can match up to all the receivers there's no better coverage um because it, it, it it's just my guy's better than your guy and he'll lock him down so um like if you can do that then great um I think that all depends on how ready they think St. Juiced is. And, and it seems like he had a good minicamp OTA period, um, but we'll, we'll see when things are actually really going at it in training camp. And let's wrap with this. I've been floating this idea about a 5-1-5, which at Johnny Local on Twitter coined it the shark attack. Do you see that being useful to be able to get all five defensive linemen on the field as much as possible? And then also really getting what really is maybe the second best group on that defense, which is the defense area, which is the secondary getting as much safeties as we have, because really what, what is the plan with Collins now? Obviously you can't take curl off the field. Yeah. I, I think for the, I'll, I'll start with that point of Collins. I, I think with the safety group, I think Landon Collins is just a strong safety. I think Cam Curl depending on the coverages you play, he can play some free safety. He can play strong safety. And obviously we saw last year, he could play that Buffalo, Buffalo nickel position, uh, which is just a big nickel. Um, and I think they, I think it's a little bit overblown about, well, we can't take curl off the field and Collins can't be the strong safety. Collins is going to be the backup. I, I, I think they can probably work around that. And I think because you're in a sub package so frequently, um, that I think we'll see plenty of Collins and Crow on the field and someone that they can trust as a deeper safety as well, uh, probably McCain. Um, so I, I don't think that will be as big an issue, um, having kind of watched back what Crow was able to do as, as, a, as the Buffalo nickel and how he developed down the stretch. So I, I think that will be fine. Um, in terms of the 515, it could be useful. It's it's good in theory. The, the theory of having your five defensive linemen and matching up on the five offensive linemen and knowing that your five defensive linemen are probably going to be better than their five offensive linemen. So at least one of them is going to win. Um, and in theory, that is good. And in practice, that quite often is good. Um, the issues is if the offense decides to run the ball um, it, with your five defensive linemen, you, it can work. Because, sweat, because both Sweat and Young, although you don't want him doing it often, can drop into coverage. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's where you can, you can try different things. And you, rather than just having your five rushing, you could have four rushing and drop one into coverage. But then you're looking at basically you're playing a three, four. Um, and at which point you're in the same situation where you were before, where you're playing your three, four, you have your three defensive linemen, interior guys that are all rushing and you have your, one of your edge guys, either back in the day, it was carrying an Iraq bow. And now it's sweat and young. Um, you'd have only one of them definitely rushing and the other might be dropping into coverage. Um, so, and, and in the run game, they, the reason you have linebackers is because the defensive line can be, penetrating but they can quite often miss and you need the linebacker to be able to make them right the linebacker need behind them usually you want two guys and maybe you can trust a landon collins as a safety that walks down into the box and kind of plays a linebacker or cam curled same um 
but without a true with only one true linebacker you are being very risky in putting all five d linemen on the line of scrimmage and only having the one true linebacker behind them to try to make every single one of them right um so that that would be my concern with it um and also that the way they had success with pass rushing last year it was quite a lot of four-man rushes with that front but they also did um some very well schemed blitzes where they would know that the offense on a certain down and distance is going to slide the protection one way, typically to chase young. Um, and so once they knew the offense from the look was, was definitely sliding towards young, they let young drop out in coverage because what's the point of rushing him against two or three blockers. And then they'd send the blitz from the other side. So they'd still only be rushing four, maybe five, but because of the protection scheme, they would end up overloading one side and the quarterback would have a free rusher in his face and get sacked or, you know, have to throw the ball away. So um, if you're doing that um, quite often, which they did last year, that's harder to do with five defensive linemen. Um, and, you know, as we've said, Sweat and Young can drop into coverage, but you just, you don't want them doing that that often. Um, so it's easier to do with four defensive linemen and then having an extra linebacker that can come up the middle or a safety or a corner that can come off the edge um, and replace the guys when you're, when you're doing those kind of um, simulated pressures. Um, those schemes work better with, with just four. Um, so I, I certainly think it's a package they could look into, and they did at times last year with five defensive linemen. Um, and, and like the Steelers have had some success doing that kind of thing where they just say our five guys up front are going to probably be better than your five guys. We'll trust them to win their one-on-ones and we'll just play our zone coverage behind it. So you could do it. Um, I, I don't think they will do it too much, um, but maybe they do. I'm a huge fan of Reeves. I'm curious if you think he'll end up starting at free safety. And I also think that Kaliki Hudson is going to find his way onto the field more. I'm curious what you think about those guys. Uh, Jerry Reeves, I thought, did really well last year um, down the stretch. Uh, I, I think he did get away with a few things in, in the later few games. Like the first few games that he started, he did really well. And him and Cam Curl struck up a good partnership. And Reeves was seeing a lot of things kind of from his film study and pointing them out before they happened. Um, and that's always a very, very encouraging sign. Um, but uh, in the last few games... There were times when quarterbacks would bait him by looking one way and, and the offense would show one thing that he would think was coming and then suddenly the quarterback would be looking the other way and he'd be looked off and out of position. Um, so I, I don't know about him as a long-term starter. Um, I, I would think the reason they signed McCain is because they feel like he's probably more likely to be a reliable long-term starter at the free safety spot. Um, I certainly think Reeves should make the roster. Um, and it seems like the way Rivera has talked about him um, being uh, the, uh, how he earned his spot on the roster and making his way from the practice squad uh, last year and, and doing everything he was asked of. Um, I certainly think he'll be around um, and there's no reason he couldn't see the field at times. Um, but I, I would think McCain probably is the more likely guy to start um Kaliki Hudson I think is an interesting one um especially as Rivera recently has mentioned him as potential Buffalo nickel kind of role um that 
kind of would suit him. I, he doesn't have quite the movement skills of a, of a safety or a defensive back, um, but he was kind of that in college he played uh, at Michigan, he played a, a role called the Viper role, which was a hybrid safety linebacker. Um, and that is essentially what the Buffalo nickel role is. There's some differences, but um, that is essentially what it is. And so it wouldn't be too unnatural for him. Um, so the fact that Rivera mentioned him as a possibility in there, uh, I think potentially gives him a chance. Um, otherwise he's a, a will linebacker, which is fine. Um, I, I don't think he starts, um, but maybe he, towards the end of the year, maybe they're feeling like, well, we'll give the younger guy a shot if Jim Davis is able to take over at Mike instead of um, John Bostick, then maybe Hudson can slide in at, at the will spot. And I'll end by asking you the same thing I ask everybody else. What, what makes a good season? Uh, is appropriate for this team it's an interesting one because the depth of the roster is as good as i can recall seeing um for washington for quite some time so the depth of the overall roster is very good but it always comes back to the quarterback play and if you get the ryan fitzpatrick that played well last year um then it's a team that should win the division um I, I I don't foresee the Eagles being a, a good team this year. I think they're kind of in a rebuild mode. Um, the Giants are a team that, as long as Daniel Jones is there, I don't see them as a legitimate threat. I see them as a team that could probably steal a game off of Washington. Um, and if Daniel Jones plays his best game, then he can win games. But Jones always, kind of like Cousins, has that ability to just throw a game away when, when you just don't want it. Um, so uh, I, I, I just don't feel like there's too much of a threat from Daniel Jones, although the rest of the roster is not in terrible shape for the Giants. But that, for me, is, you know, Daniel Jones kind of keeps them from being a real threat. Um, and the Cowboys, I think, could surprise a few people just because of how good I think Dak actually is. Um, and... Um, their offense, obviously, they have a ton of weapons at receiver. And with Dak running that offense, they're a, a really, really good offense. Um, and that can often let you hang around with teams and, and challenge teams. Um, just, I think their defense probably stops them from being good. I think it'll be better than it was last year because it's going to be simpler. Um, and Dan Quinn's going to try to run that Seahawks cover three again. But um, uh, You've seen a, we've seen a lot of people come from that Seahawks cover three, and not many people have been able to run it the same way the Seahawks have. So um, I, I, I'm not too worried about that defense. It still doesn't have enough talent overall, um, certainly in the secondary, to make me worried about that. But I think that offense can be explosive. So uh, in terms of the NFC East, I, I think if you look at just overall roster, I think Washington has the deepest roster. Um but the quarterback factor has to play into it. And I would say the Cowboys have the best quarterback um, by a significant margin. Um, and personally, I rate Dak as one of the top, maybe top five, certainly top 10 quarterbacks in the league when healthy. So um, that gives you a huge advantage. So um, if he's back and healthy and, and playing as well as he can, I think they can push Washington. Um, if Fitzpatrick plays, if he continues the trend that he's been on of getting better as he ages, I, I think Washington should be able to beat out Dallas. But 
Um, if Fitzpatrick has a few weeks where you see the Fitzpatrick that we've seen in the past where suddenly he just throws a pick that you're like, where the hell did that come from? You know, like those kind of plays are, they were still there last year. Um, they were just less frequent. And, and there were certainly, I think it was a Seahawks game last year. There was, I was watching that and I think he had, was intercepted once or twice in that game, but I came away from the first half thinking, how has he not thrown five interceptions? So like there, there certainly are those moments for him still, but um, football's a funny game. So I, I, it's, it's hard to say exactly how he does. So uh, yeah, I, I think they should certainly challenge for the division title. I would guess their goal would be win a playoff game. Um, and if you can get into the playoffs, you, you've had a relatively decent season. If you can win a playoff game, I think you've had a very good season. And when you want a playoff game, your confidence is sky high and who knows where they could go after that. Mark, I really appreciate you doing this. Dad. a whole bunch of fun. Tell the folks where they can find you and what you got coming up next. Yeah, of course. Um, my Twitter, you can find me on Twitter is at, at Mark Bullock NFL. Um, my, my Substack is markbullock.substack.com. Um, that's where I, I write all my breakdowns and what have you. Um, and just today of recording, as you mentioned earlier, I had a piece out on uh, Antonio Gibson and, and how he developed last year, as we kind of talked about, and, and what his role could be expanded to next year. Um, and, and last week I had a piece on uh, Cam Carl and, and what exactly that Buffalo nickel role is and, and how he played it so well. Um, and, you know, just breaking down exactly what goes into that role because we've heard it a million times with Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio and everyone, but the Buffalo nickel role and this and that. And so I thought I would break that down. So uh, you can read that all on my Substack, stack um, and, and you can find me on, on Twitter, as I said. All right, Mark, we appreciate you. Of course. Thanks for having me.